And welcome back to the Anime World Order podcast. This is part number two of our bonus installment in which we do the decade in review. We, uh, in our first part, we got all the way through 2002. <laughs> <laughs> A worthy beginning. I mean, yeah, we maybe forgot to mention some notable things like Naruto. That's just a little tiny show. That's not something anyone's going to remember. Anyway, Matt Alt is back with us uh, once again. Hello. Of course, I'm Daryl Surratt. Gerald Rathkolb. And Clarissa. So, if you want to hear the first part of this to get an idea of what the heck we're doing, which I highly advise, please go to www.animeworldorder.com and you can find direct downloads to that previous episode as well as every other previous episode on that website. Our email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com. And by all means, send us voicemails, 206-666-4296. The last voicemail I got was from someone who was very upset at Gerald <laughs> for daring to say that Star Wars, with its lightsabers and warp drives, was not hard science fiction. <laughs> Listen, warp speed can maybe happen for real under warp theory. Isn't that kind of circular logic? I don't know. Anyway... Let's get right into this. 2003. Easily, I think, the year that anime looked the coolest ever. This is a big year. The coolest yeah. of cool Japan, you might say? I don't know. Possibly. I think We've so. We've got a poll going on the website. What do you personally think was the best year from 2000 I've got more to 2009? For, for 2003, I see, once again, another rise in total shows that have been made. It's something like about, you know, last year it was about 135, 136. Now we're looking at 142, 141, something like that. I've actually got a significant number of more notable or good things. I mean, before I was saying, you know, 10, 11, 13. This one's more like 17, closer to 20. So um, let's see what you guys think. What's interesting about this year, I think, is just in general, is I think this is kind of when we're starting to see the fruits blooming from when investment finally started pouring into the anime world in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, I read this article somewhere, I'm looking it up on alljapan.taipad.com, perhaps you've heard of it, where I wrote this article where I was, I was talking about how after Pokemon, and this isn't my theory or anything, this actually was posted by a Japanese person, after Pokemon hit, it kind of made Japanese banks and stuff realized that, hey, anime might be a viable business, right? And they actually started investing. It took a few years for that to get up to steam, and I think 2003 is the first year that really happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mm. we sort of touched upon it in the previous recording, but this was the year that anime was pretty much, like Gerald said, at the height of being in the public consciousness. I mean, between the Animatrix and uh, Kill Bill Volume 1, both of which were very high-profile movies that people saw. I mean, if you want to see some of the top-selling anime in America of all time, the Animatrix might actually be number one. Of course, Kill Bill Volume 1 had an extensive sequence by Production IG detailing the flashback of Oranishi. And so this was like the cool thing, this Japanese animation, man. Mm-hmm. Clarissa mentioned off before we went into this, she said one particular show she liked was Air Master. I was huge into that. Probably still one of my favorites. No one watched that when it was coming out. I had to watch that entire show raw, no subtitles. Mm-hmm. It was a long time until Did well in Japan, though, I understand. Yeah. Which is strange because you don't see a lot of merchandising for it. You don't see goods. You don't see video games or spinoffs or anything, but it did well in the ratings. Speaking of that show, the big show in America, maybe not that year like ever, but one of the big shows was Wolf's Rain, which was airing in around the same time as uh-huh. Airmaster, and Wolf's Rain was pummeled in the ratings by Airmaster. Yeah, I think Airmaster did triple the ratings of Wolf's Rain, and then the other big otaku favorite, this pretty forgotten show called Stelvia of the Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Airmaster did double that. Stelvia was a pretty good show, I thought. Okay, I didn't see it. Yeah. This was also the year that... Oh, God. <laughs> well, 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 I'll let you say it then, since you have the stronger reaction to it. I don't know if this is what you're thinking of, by the way, because this isn't technically, you know, Japanese animation, but this was the year that we saw Korea try to enter the market in a horrible, horrible way. Well, it was a wonderful day when Korea was entered a... the market. <laughs> yes, wonderful days, a.k.a. sky blue, a.k.a. whatever the hell they want to call it, which proved that the Koreans can make a beautiful-looking animated movie that is terrible. 
Yeah, Korea, I mean, they've been the place where they'd outsource animation too, and that movie kind of showed that they were technically proficient at drawing something, but maybe they didn't know how to write a storyboard or a screenplay or, you know, do characters. Or anything, yeah. Well, even though the South Korean government's put a lot of money into their uh, entertainment industry, they've all kind of gone towards the live-action side of things, which is uh, interesting. Probably because they're smart. I don't know how much money is really in the anime world. But isn't, like, a huge amount of in-betweening done over there in Korea? Yeah, well, now Korea's too expensive, so if they got to go to China, they got to go to India. North Korea. Yeah. North Korea. North Korea. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing, 2003, in terms of being a big year, um, I mean, I believe that was the year for Full Metal Alchemist, so, yep. which was a gigantic... Is that the year the that anime debuted? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. That is probably going to be remembered as the biggest show of the decade. Like, if you had to pick one show, it wouldn't be Naruto, yeah. it wouldn't be uh, any other ones. It's going to be Full Metal Alchemist. I think really? as far as yeah, that's interesting. Wait a second. I want you to justify that. Why? I am why justify it? I'm totally going to justify it because as far as longevity of a franchise, Full Metal Alchemist more than any other show in America, anyway, has, has endured. It's been no, around. It hasn't. What do you mean? No, it hasn't. Wait People are second. still not the new show Metal is out right now. The new show is starting no one is watching that show, though. In, in what world do you What are you, you talking about? This is a huge show, and people are still big fans of Full Metal Alchemist, and this is how you like keep a franchise people going. Are bigger fans of Naruto. Yeah, the question is, are you talking mainstream here, or are you talking anime fans? Anime fans. Oh, okay, well, Mainstream okay, access, okay. it's Naruto. But I'm talking about anime fandom. Maybe I can agree there, but not the biggest show of the decade for mainstream. It has to be Naruto for the main Yeah, it what, has what to be Naruto year, for that. What year did Naruto really hit, by the way? Like, what, what was like... 2002. When you say, okay, so that's when it actually started, right? But to, by 2003, was it understood this is like a force, you know what I mean, to be reckoned with? It was or pretty was it much big, little... like, as soon as it started. Yeah. But then, like, once it hit TV yeah. here, then it was a whole other story. But it was big even before it hit TV here. I think yeah. I'm pretty right. sure I remember seeing, like, early episodes of Naruto getting the 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 people on the torrents downloading right, it at the time. Right, right. I think as far as like anime otaku and like straight up dedication, it's gonna be much like how people really gravitated towards Evangelion in the nineties. In the two thousands they it was really full metal alchemist as far as that. I mean it was in the very popular time slot. What was, what is it called? The the Doroku time slot? You know anything about this, Matt? Oh, that's you're talking. Is that like the sweet spot on Japanese TV? The golden hour. Yeah, once yeah. upon a time. I mean, no longer anymore. But I mean, that was the spot where a lot of hits, like Gundam Seed, which we mentioned in the past one, was in that spot. And then it was um, once Seed ended, Full Metal Alchemist started. And so right. then after, what's in there now? What's in there right now? Any idea? It's it's gone. It's gone yeah, entirely. Yeah, it doesn't. There's nothing there right now, right? Right, and that's uh, you yeah. know, we'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, 2003, um, some other great shows, the new Astro Boy TV show, mm-hmm. excellent, excellent show, oh, got a yes. terrible, terrible release here. It got a terrible expect- release in Japan though too. Wasn't it like in the middle of the night or something? Oh, you mean time slot wise? Oh, I yes. don't know. I don't. I don't remember. It's it's. 2003 is like 100 years ago in internet years. Yeah, it's got to have been at like 7 p.m. or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't strike me that Astro Boy would air in the otaku death hour. Yeah. was the most expensive show episode for episode at the time, I believe. Right, right. When we say it had a bad release here, we mean like they cut the crap out of it. Like it was made wide. Oh, really? They cut the crap out of it? It was made widescreen. They released a pan and scan. They took out all the music. They rewrote a bunch of it. The full like 80s style hatchet job. People oh, got their wow. salads tossed. It was no, that was in the test dub. That's kind of nostalgic, though. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I kind of miss having like my characters renamed Rick Hunter and things like that. Did they like rename him something crazy? No, they kept a lot of the names. Like it wasn't Professor Elephant anymore. It was Doctor O'Shea. <laughs> That's a different thing. But they still kept like some Japanese terms, like you know, oh, he's got Kokoro. Because, you know, Astro Boy's got a heart. Oh, wow. It's like, that's wow. how cool it was to be Japanese and, you know, the, do this whole anime thing. Back then, wow. 2003, another big one. This is notable for a different reason, more for the American side of things. Big O, Yeah, too. the second season of the yeah. Big O. I mean, we big didn't mention o the first huge. season. Entirely financed by Cartoon Network, yeah, this right? this was at the point where anime in America on television was popular enough that the Cartoon mm-hmm. Network could say, hey... We're going to pay for this whole second series of a show that, you know, wasn't really that popular in Japan. Yeah, it wasn't popular in Japan, did really well on Cartoon Network here. Mm-hmm. Um, we and talked the toy about it finally came here. out. Right. The toy finally came out this year. Oh, yeah, the Chobokin, right? Yes, the Chobokin. Oh, that thing looks gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh. You can, like, kill somebody with it. It's so heavy. I wish I could afford that. But, yeah, I mean, yes. Big O was interesting because, I mean, it was a robot show. 
that didn't really have a following yeah. in Japan that caught on in America due to yeah. its yeah. You know, resemblance to obviously things like Batman the animated series yeah. and yes. you know the like, which a lot of non-traditional anime fans were able to get into that show despite the fact that it was a robot show. Yeah. Was Giant Robo the, the animation popular among American it's fans? It's not that popular among American fans. Only really hardcore fans. It's not... got its following among hardcore fans. And from what I heard from when I met Yasuhiro Imagawa, there are still more fans of Giant Robo the animation here than in Japan, which means nobody cares really? about it there. <laughs> wow, because I have oh. some I have some positively maniacal friends who are just like insane for that oh, show. Oh, I am too. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, beautiful, it's beautifully done. It's amazing. You get that whole Yoko Amitsu Taylor thing going on. And Big O to me always kind of seemed like sort of another step. Obviously, they're not really connected, but it seemed very much in they that They do vein share some staff. Taking... A lot of the people who worked yeah. on Giant yeah. the Animation went on to do Big O. But on the opposite side of that equation, I mean, you want to talk about a robot show that got totally passed over, except for, for by me, Godanar, A Marriage of God and Soul. Yes. I reviewed this yes. in the previous episode. This is the ultimate otaku appeal nostalgia grab that's still an original yes. property, if that makes sense. It's not like a remake of anything, but it's still so mired in otaku tropes that an average anime fan couldn't watch it. And even most hardcore anime mm. fans won't touch that show because it's just so laden with the fan service of just all kinds. You got right. the girls wearing yeah. nothing and you got the giant robots that are very retro 70s style and you got the characters. It's interesting. Like, I never watched it. I mean, I only ever considered watching it after your review and I still haven't gotten around to it yet. But because of the way that it was advertised and like all the promotional artwork and the clips that I saw... It really seemed like, not like a robot show, it really seemed like a fan service show that just yeah. kind of happened to have robots. That's sort of something we'll get into in a little while as the years go on, but yeah, that is the direction that these kinds of things ended up having to take. Yeah. They can't yeah. really market it from robot side, they gotta market it from pretty girls or pretty boys side. Oh, and also there's robots, but yeah. shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah it was kind of weird oh, this year uh, in terms of robots was... So in 2002, we had the first season of Full Metal Panic, which was done by Gonzo. And in 2003, they switched over and gave Full Metal Panic to Kyoto Animation. Full Metal Panic, it's basically kind of two things. Like there's robot uh, and military stuff, but there's also like the wacky high school comedy stuff going on. And the on. wacky high school comedy is really more the equation. It, the thing is, it's, it depends because I think there's a lot of both, but it's been very different depending on which animation adaptation you watch. And so Fumofu, they basically almost entirely took the robots out, and that one, for whatever reason, that was pretty much all high school comedy. That's arguably the most popular right. of them, because that's the one that I know yeah. a lot of people who've never seen any of Full Metal Panic know. Right. And it's still recognizable as Full Metal Panic, despite the fact that they've taken out what's ostensibly such a... Oh yeah, I mean, all the characters are the same, it's just the high school interactions as opposed to the, the politics and military stuff. Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up what was my favorite work of this year. Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, Great. very Great. nice. The most accessible film. I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but it's definitely the one you should show people first. Just because it's not I crazy. I think it's his most mainstream kind of movie. Like, if it was live action, I'd say it was like Oscar bait. You know, it's that you know, uh, it's, heartwarming it's, Christmas story. And it's weird because even though, you know, you call it mainstream, the main character is an old homeless guy. Yeah. Trans, isn't he like a transvestite, too? That's one, that's there's a transvestite, well, there's, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's another homeless guy that's a transvestite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's how it goes, right? You know, my favorite part of that movie is actually the end credit sequence where Tokyo is dancing. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you remember what I'm talking about. And, yes. You know, I remember when Lost in Translation came out, everybody said, oh, my God, you know, she made Tokyo one of the main characters in the movie, you know? And I was thinking to myself, well, Tokyo Godfathers really made Tokyo into a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, even in the film itself, like the kind of grittiness of the city is really well portrayed. And then at the end, mm. he really, he turns it into like a kind of a yurukera, as the Japanese said, like a mascot almost. I right. Love Love that. Mm. Like yeah, I, mean, I think. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't mean to, you know, say that it's mainstream by disrespecting it, but I think it's probably more of a mainstream type of movie in the American sense. Like, because sure. I gather that in Japan, people don't really talk about homeless people very much. Homeless like, people. There exist, are no homeless people, Clarissa. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, people like kind of pretend <laughs> that there are no homeless people in Japan. So it it may be more daring 
in Japan than in the U.S. I don't know, Matt. You know, it's interesting. I can't think of any other films right now. I mean, there's plenty of films that deal with, like, outsiders and people, like, on the edges of society. But you're right. That one kind of tackles the – I don't think anybody here really believes there aren't any homeless people. Let me just say that. I mean, there are boxes, like, there's kind of (laughs) boxes and villages everywhere in this city. Oh, I'm sure they know that there are. It's more like they just don't talk about it. Just like how there's no gambling problem in Japan. All we do is play pachinko a lot. (laughs) Exactly. And there's no no mafia problem here here either they don't control anything the yeah. <laughs> on that subject though it's a great segue between talking about the american side of things and how the the mafia control everything a, a great series from 2003 <laughs> was gungrave a series that you would never expect to be good this was a show that was adapted from a video game horrible first episode not even a very good not even that great of a video game first oh. episode is absolute trash and, you know, it seems like the most generic thing ever. It's like, oh, video game anime. That's like the bottom tier of anime, right? And then out of nowhere comes this fantastic story about the mafia and two guys coming up and taking over. Straight up Godfather-like intrigue. And I thought it was a really solid, really underrated, really grim, bleak sort of show. You never would have expected that. But yeah, that was a, a great one from 2003. Who did taking- that one again? I don't think Yasuhiro Naito himself did the show. I mean, he certainly did the, did the character, character designs, designs for it. I guess to transition from bleak and dark to maybe the best comedy of the decade, Cromarty oh, High School. Oh, yeah, yeah. certainly. I think oh, that manga is a show. classic, classic, classic. Mm-hmm. Great show from 2003. I mean, it's obviously it's a parody of uh, Otoko Juku, the 80s mm-hmm. uh, classic show that uh, I think only Tim Eldred and Gerald and a couple other people are really <laughs> championing around here in America. <laughs> I mean, uh, when you got those episodes that are all about, like, that black guy stealing our Asian women. Let's teach him a lesson. That's the ultimate comedy. <laughs> I'm always I'm always really curious about, you know, like shows like that that are based on like their parodies off of shows or films that Americans have no kind of familiarity with. Battle Royale is kind of the same thing because Battle Royale is a parody of a lot of kind of like coming of age school dramas and comedies and stuff like that. But you don't really need to know them to appreciate the work. And I think it's the same right. thing with Cromedy High School. It's just so over the top that mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, it's really well done. I guess if you go insane enough, he just comes along for the ride anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know? it probably would have been a good fit for Adult Swim, but I guess they just passed on yeah. it. And I think that can be very much read as just sort of a generic parody of like the delinquent type of anime. So, right. Uh, as opposed to specifically Otokojuku, so... One of the few anime comedies where pretty much every single episode just hits really, really well. And yeah. There's oftentimes ones where they try to get dramatic and it just doesn't mm-hmm. work, but this one, every episode was terrific. And to go in, a, in another different direction, <clears throat> this year actually seemed to be pretty good for kind of weird um, sort of experimental um, shows because we had Kino's Journey. Yeah. Shadow Star or Narutaru. I don't know if you want to count it because it was a, a net series, a, a web series, but Diary of Tortov Riddle. Kino's Journey especially has a small vocal following here in America, but I think yeah. it's just the way that they marketed that one. It's kind of hard. They had to like be like, mm-hmm. here's a girl with guns. It's like, well, thanks for ruining like the first yeah, four episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of experimental, there was also Technolize, the most infuriating show I've watched. Now, yeah. hold on a second. We I, got I know some... I'm really going to disappoint one of our listeners because um, I know you really wanted my take on it, but Technolize is another one of those shows that I always heard really, really interesting things about it. It was always on my list of shows to watch, and somehow I've just never gotten around to actually watching it. I do not intensely dislike Technolize the way Gerald does, but I was watching it for the first time when he was also watching it for the first time. <laughs> So I can vouch for the funny, displeasant noises that Gerald makes when he's watching them and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Well, from what I've heard of it, I mean, from what I've heard of it, I can tell that it's a show that Gerald Yeah, it's, like. it's a I very mean, obtuse show. It uh, actually becomes more verbose as time goes on, but the first episode is almost entirely devoid of dialogue. I watched more after that just to see if it's something that I would like. It wasn't as bad as that first episode, but I just never liked yeah, that show. Yeah, it's a very ever. lyrical it's just... show, a very strange show. Um, obviously, Chiaki Konaka, if Big O Season 2 was too weird for you, then stay away from Technolize, because Chiaki Konaka's yeah. a beast. He worked on the new Astro Boy, too, and I remember Mark Handler was saying they had to rein that guy in, because he was a trippy dude. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of infuriating things, this was the year that Romanov Higa 
got his uh, start as well by releasing crap on the internet called Erda. And, uh, oh God! That... I like one episode of Erda, the one where they're uh, you know fighting with the uh, Panzerfausts on the tank treads. Very historically accurate depiction of World <laughs> War II. They gave that guy. He's been doing other work since then. Like they've given him money to to do a lot of. He did Cat Blue Dynamite. Well, he did the Gungrave cutscenes, the video game cutscenes as well. Don't yeah, lie, I mean... Gerald. Cat Blue Dynamite is your favorite show. Yeah, clearly. Come on. It's just like, <laughs> man, if I saw this, I wouldn't be like, yes, let's give this guy money. <laughs> Maybe it's kind of like how people keep giving Uwe Ball money, even though his movies are all terrible yeah, and Postal. aren't really successful. That's the thing. It's not even like his movies make money. They make enough money. It's a very producers-like scam. But uh, I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm never a fan of Gonzo, but I think maybe they made their second best work. Last Exile? Yeah, Last Exile. I was about to say that. Gonzo actually, it, it's like they made two kind of decent shows back-to-back because -back, there's another one in 2004 that we'll talk about. Once again, Mahiro Maeda, probably one of the only guys at Gonzo who sort of knew what he was doing. But I mean, I thought that show was uh, was interesting. Uh, definitely really good uh, visual design. And yeah. uh, Alex Rowe just... is Captain Harlock clone, which is uh, you know better than most Gonzo things. Although... I think I know what Gerald's about to say. I think he probably liked the setting more than he liked the actual story. Perhaps. I thought it would have been better as 13 episodes, and for me, it ended up just being like a mediocre show that, compared to other Gonzo stuff, was a lot better, but standing on its own is still just mediocre to me. Yeah, on the subject of a standalone, I mean, I, I did review this way, way back when, but Requiem from the Darkness, or 100 Stories, mm -hmm. this is like one of those few uh, horror anime that gets made, very, very yeah. visually unique, based off of uh, Natsuko Kyogoku's uh, novels. Who is unknown in our country, isn't he? But he is, he's like the Stephen King of Japan. Right. Didn't Vertical just put out one of his books? I yes. think so. My, my yeah. buddy Alex Smith translated it, actually. It's called The Summer of the Ubume. Yeah, I and heard it's fantastic. But yeah, I well, and Ubume, and Ubume is a yokai. All of his stuff deals with yokai, but they don't really appear in the books. It's yeah. about people who, they're like suspense novels. They're like people in the books believe yeah. in the yokai. And then the guy is kind of unraveling the kind of mystery behind it. But yeah, Vertical yeah, just I released the first one. I know recently they made an anime adaptation of uh, Morio no Hako. But I don't think it's uh, even. Yeah, been, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's even been all the way fan subbed, let alone licensed. So. Well, that stuff is is. I, I hate to use this term, but it's really Japanese. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of subtle. Ubumeno Natsu came out as a movie too. Mm. Uh, like Abe Hiroshi's in it. I don't know if you guys have seen it at all. And like it's kind of a subtle sort of pleasure. It's not really like in your face or anything. I bet it works a lot better as a book. To be fair, what is Abe Hiroshi not in at this point? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not not in Trick. Oh. I think that means he is a trick. Is it double uh, negative? Yeah, I mean, uh, also, other things that Vertical released, the things that came out this year, Twin Speaker, the anime, Vertical uh, yes. just uh, released the, the manga, manga for, for that. Twin Speaker is one that I think Neil Nadelman and a couple people have always really wanted to review on this show. We've never gotten around to it. But yeah, it's this sci-fi tale about, you know, space and that sort very of thing. Sad. Very, very sad. Very sad story. Of course, uh, My Money's Worth, the big pick, probably one of the shows of the decade, Planetess. The real oh, deal show. Another show, show that Gerald hates. Gerald hates it. Yeah. Why do you hate that? What is wrong with you? I don't like the main characters. Oh well, that's different. Okay, that's you see. Don't, okay, you can't you can't blame <laughs> the show, disliking the show on that. Come on, man. You have oh, to you have, you have to hand character. it to it for vision. Vision. I know uh, it's such a, a fa phenomenal show. I mean, if I had to pick like top five of the decade TV, Planet Test is is on that top five. Fantastic ending. Planetess could have Haruhi as the star, and I would still watch it because <laughs> Japan does not have enough freaking hard science fiction anymore. That's the last bastion of hard SF in this country, man. Very faithful to the manga and also very different at the same time. It's kind of hard to explain if I didn't. I mean, we're uh, never going to get the rest of Mighty Space Miners, but at least, you know, there's Planetess, I guess. Yeah, at least there is that. I'm going to mention something that I bet is not anywhere even on the radar of your guys' lists, and it's not even a good show, but it deserves to be mentioned. Machine Robo Rescue came out this yeah, year. Yeah, not to be confused uh, with yes. Machine Robo Revenge of Kronos, which is no, awesome. insane. No, not to be confused with Machine Robo Rescue was, I think, Bandai's attempt to reboot the toy franchise. The Machine Robo toys were sold as GoBots in the United mm -hmm. States, right? And we had that horrible, horrible Tonka-sponsored cartoon, the GoBots cartoon. Theme song. We actually covered some of this back when we reviewed Machine Robo Revenge of Kronos. But yeah, they did try to bring this one back. And uh, how'd that go? Yeah. It no. didn't work. And I think this year and then the, the, the following year, which I guess we'll be talking about in a few minutes, a show called Am Driver came out. 
that mm. Konami was trying to use is these are the last kind of two shows to me that were like, oh, we have a toy line and we're going to make an anime and we're going to try to use the anime to sell the toys to kids. Oh, yeah, which right. used and to be the backbone of anime, right? Every yeah. anime was made that way. Like people think like, oh, Japanese people, they went into this to, you know, because their art artistic merit and all of this stuff. That's bullshit. All of the classics were made to sell products. Yeah, like I mean, almost, especially robot shows. I mean, that's what it was all. Especially robot shows. If, if they weren't for the product, I wouldn't be here right now. So, I was, I, you know? Are <laughs> Japanese kids just not buying toys anymore? Is it just well, that they're all playing video I games I think this instead? is the price yes. of justice of 7,000 yen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, they're, they're <laughs> playing games and they're playing card games and stuff like that. It's just like the whole playing field is changed. Because seriously, why, why would you take a Gundam toy into the sandbox and pretend you're like fighting on Abo Aku or whatever when you can actually boot up the game and do it and like play it? You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And what's really sad is the toys are better than ever. Like for almost every robot toy you can right. think of, they are amazing. Well, because they're all made for adults who can spend yes. like two hundred dollars. Yes. I'm an adult and I can't spend two hundred and won't put small moving parts in their mouth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, well, they probably do. Well, some yeah, of them. Yeah, you're but... probably right. So, do we have any other notable anime for 2003? Kaleidostar came out this year. Mm. Pretty good show that no one ever watched. No one ever will. I think the worst show of the year. Actually, the worst one shot. Discipline. Uh, <laughs> early Rains, <laughs> my opinion. Like, oh one of the... God, that Early Rains so is soon to come to a mic tool panel near you. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's so bad. One of the worst things I've ever witnessed. We said the video game adaptation anime was the worst. <laughs> anime has to offer and yeah early rains man there's like and no redeeming value to that anime nothing. it's not well animated it's not well acted it, character designs aren't good it's not well written the action scenes are terrible i mean it's, it's just not all even bad. it's not even really good enough to get like a good clip out of i'm very interested to see what right. my tool will do with it i got I'm one clip battle. out of it and that was maybe two clips and that was about it and it was a, a tricky yeah, it's deal it's not really entertaining kind of bad it's just painful very painfully mediocre like many things that are uh, made now but anyway yeah. to uh, summarize this and what matt wrote in his cnn go uh retrospective article for uh 2000 2009 you said this matt 2003 the wachowski brothers commissioned a series of nine anime short films based on their smash hit matrix films oh, yeah animatrix dubbed the yeah. animatrix it becomes one of the top selling anime titles abroad that year Meanwhile, Quentin Tarantino incorporates a flashy anime sequence into Kill Bill Volume 1, and he just sort of um, left it at that. He actually didn't write anything at all for 2004. I didn't. I didn't because I think 2000, I should have. I was actually, it was a, it was a, a kind of space constraint thing. But you know what the weird thing about the Animatrix is? It didn't suck. It should, yeah. it should have sucked. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Gerald doesn't like it, but he doesn't like any of the Matrix at all. But I really liked uh, a lot of the Animatrix. I mean, I don't like Peter Chung's segment necessarily yeah. all that much. Yeah, that one is kind of very Aeon Fluxy, isn't it? The thing that really marks an effective anthology is when you can't really get a strong universal consensus on which one's the best. Mm. Right. I hear a lot of people actually like the Peter Chung one the best when I go out and I talk to people about it. Interesting, really? Yeah, I mean, I would have thought, like, people would have said, oh, yeah, the 4C Beyond one that Morimoto did, that one's the best. And some people are like, yeah. no, no, the second Renaissance one that actually explains the story, that one's the best. And other people are like, oh, no, I really like the one made by the ghost of the studio that did Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. <laughs> I was really hoping we'd see more of these collaborations. I didn't, I actually went to a talk that IG was giving a couple of years ago when they were introducing the new Blood Plus series. And they actually talked about how basically Quentin Tarantino showed up on their doorstep unannounced, like in 2001 or 2002, whatever. It must have been a couple of years before the movie came out, obviously. And just was like, hey, animate this for me. You know, like he just basically knocked on their door and said, do it for me. <laughs> And what are they going to do? Like, turn yeah. Tarantino down? I mean, he was. But that's the, man. the whole thing. They were flipping out. Like, because this guy, like, basically Quentin Tarantino shows up on your doorstep. What do you do? Oh, my God. Start brewing some tea. You know, it's like, get this well, guy into a beer oh. room. What's interesting is they're, they're, it seems like they're trying to bring that back. And I don't know if it's that there's some kind of organic movement behind it or if it's like some kind of plot to try and resurrect the uh, cool Japan stuff. But I mean,. So you've had, you've got the Halo Legends one, you had the Batman one, and then now you've got the Marvel anime things that are coming out, the Iron Man and Wolverine. Uh, no, those didn't like, you know, the Iron Man and Wolverine fit the, the, the Iron Man one so looks hard. like it's going to be pretty cool. The Wolverine one, I don't have high hopes for. It well, looks pretty. We'll, we'll talk about those. I mean, if you want to say, like, what's Yoshiaki Kawajiri been doing with his life, the oh, only yeah, thing yeah. they really let him touch are those uh, U.S. Japanese co-productions, because Kawajiri's stuff 
always did better in America than it ever yeah. did in Japan. And so that's kind of what's keeping so, them employed. So uh, 2004 now. Lots of stuff, yeah. Lots. Probably uh, one of the biggest years as far as not just things that got made. I mean... I've got like 20 or 21 things listed. Same here. But out of the total now, now we're at 183. I mean, 2000, it was 81. Gradually going up. 136, 140. Now we're at 183 things made in 2004. Clearly too many. And this would be proven yes. true years yes. later. Yes. Is this the peak? Is this the actual peak? This of might the, be the peak because I, I mean, think it I believe is. it is. Because I would frequently say, if you go back to previous episodes of this podcast, that, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, boy, 2004 sure was a strong, strong year mm -hmm. for anime. Yeah. Who could have known how everything was going to crash after this? <laughs> Theatrical-wise, I mean, there was, you know, your favorite Gerald Appleseed by Shinji oh, Aramaki, the CG <laughs> animated one. fooled people named Dave Riley into thinking it's good. I think they just really like uh, Duna Newt's uh, posterior, but I mean, modern Probably. technology, I mean, we've got Bayonetta now. I don't know if we really... <laughs> Need the dude Newt, Has but, perfected the ass. I mean, uh, it had monofilament wire. It had, you know, some vaguely nightsaberish looking uh, suits that get blown up after 30 seconds. But I mean, um, yeah, Appleseed was this uh, high-profile CG movie. Piece of crap. I do own it, but yeah, I mean, it's not like it's one of my top favorites, but it is a, a mainstream movie. It's an accessible movie. Whether you like that film or not, you have to hand it to Aramaki for trying to make something that appealed to taking something that is so otaki, which is Appleseed. Which is Shiro. I, it was Shiro. I mean, I've read Appleseed ten times, and I'm still, I couldn't tell you what the plot it's is. It's about the white okay. African <laughs> being the rarest of Africans. Exactly. I mean, it's just... hell like, is what? that shit? <laughs> I've never met a white African. I put the book down when I read that, because, I mean, that was Shiro not knowing what the hell. Oh, so it was like Watchmen. It really blew you away. I had to put the book down and walk away. <laughs> like, God, put the shit down like white Africans. Such a rare shit. I'm a white African. Was yeah, that but you're mean? in District 9. I mean, and it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the one side of taking Masamune Shiro adaptation and just like going for broke and actually making something worthwhile. Yeah, that's standalone complex. Second, Second gig. gig. Yes. Maybe even an improvement over the first season, which is already fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that show just kept getting better, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I really, really yeah. like Ghost in the Shell, a uh, standalone complex second gig. This one was uh, really good stuff. Mobile Suit Gundam, people. Zeta. Zeta Gundam. A new translation. Didn't that oh, start yeah, the new movies. Yeah. I had a real problem. We, uh, we all sort of had our issues with it. The main one being, why the freaking hell didn't you just reanimate the whole movie? Jerks. Money, yes. people. Money. You tell me yes. Gundam doesn't have money? If Gundam doesn't have money, then what are we... <laughs> As a people, <laughs> this is the sad thing. This is the sad thing. Like, I think if Gundam were an American institution, product, yeah. right? If we're an American character, you'd have seen like so many like live action versions of it or whatever by now. The fact that like Gundam is Japan's top most well known character and they still, for whatever reason, couldn't get enough money together to reanimate the entire films is kind of a sad state on how Japan views anime in general, I think. Is it that or is it just that? Other countries outside of America are not crazy enough to dump the kinds of money on movies that we will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a really good question. Maybe our entire, like, basis for comparison is off. But it's just sad to me, like, Gundam, right? I mean, if, if you're going to, like, hold yeah. a gun to anybody's head and say, Japanese robot, Japanese robot, like, you've got to say Gundam, right? I mean, it's pretty much the biggest... You could say Mazinger, I guess, if you're mm -hmm. an old schooler. But it's Gundam, The crazy right? thing is, you'd think with Gundam they could get people to volunteer to do it for free. You know, yeah, well, <laughs> I need to come on. fan, right. fan animated, like fan subbing it. Yeah, that's that's actually always a road to quality, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 2004 also gave us MS Igloo, the CG OAV. That was kind of like for another old school nostalgia grab set in the one year war. The original Gundam. I always forget Macias about that. Loves that. He keeps telling me to. He keeps telling me to watch all of that. I have only seen the first couple. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's got some sort of dodgy CG facial animation to it, but I mean, yeah. If you're a fan of the Gundam, if you like that whole one year war stuff, then this is like for you. But it's only for you, and it's for nobody else. That's kind of the the albatross around the neck of the Universal Century timeline. I think Aramaki was doing some of the non the non mobile suit mecha design for that too. At the same time, he's doing Appleseed. Yeah. Mm. Hayao Miyazaki had another movie, Howl's Moving Castle. I think yeah. the first time that everybody went to a, a Miyazaki movie and collectively said, "Eh, not that good." I mean, the best thing that most people yeah. had to say about it was, "Well, at least he wasn't as heavy-handed with the environmental message." But 
yeah, I would never consider Howl's Moving Castle as like his greatest work. It was kind of meandering. It like, ends very, very badly. It started pretty strong and then ends nowhere. And suddenly like, just had there's no a clue. war. He's got to get that anti-war message in there. I mean, I've only ever seen the movie once ever, and that was in the theater yeah. with the Christian Bale dubbing and all that. Uh, Billy Crystal as Calcifer and yeah. such. But, I mean, I had no real desire to ever buy that movie here. See it again. I'd like to mention that at least it wasn't Steam Boy. Yeah. Steam Boy <laughs> also <laughs> in That's the first movie I almost actually walked out of in the middle. It, oh, it was, I was so, wow. so aggravated by it halfway through. Oh. I'm like, that, and I mean, <sighs> that was what, 10 years in production or something? You want to talk interesting failure, Gerald? I mean, uh, we were just discussing heavy metal is like, you know, you like, cause it's interesting failure. Steam Boy is a fascinating failure as far as like, what went wrong here? All these years in development and you have all these like top notch animation. You get this fantastic English dub set up and then you know you have them all mumble or you mix it so that you know you can't hear what they're saying and completely nonsense sort of ending that makes no sort of sense because the editing is just so bad in the original that you can only improve it with cutting stuff out in the dub that was one that they released as a super expensive gift box set edition in america like you know there's the dvds and they were going like this was the time when they were going overboard with like the special box set version and you threw in Mm. all these tchotchkes the stuff that people didn't really need or want and steam boy had like you know this gift box set that was like supposedly really expensive i got it for very cheap but i just got it it's like jesus christ they did this for steam boy sort of yeah nobody liked (laughs) i guess people liked how that movie looked it's got some very nice designs it's got some good sequences where the terrors of science you know wreak Mm -hmm. havoc on the world but as well, a film, that film to me symbolizes the one of the big problems I think with Japan and anime and, and actually filmmaking in general is that you get this real cult of the director going on. And oh, like yeah. if you if you make one film that does well, you basically have carte blanche to do whatever the hell you want for the rest of your life. The George and, Lucas problem. Yeah, I mean, basically, like you get surrounded by yes men. You're able to get money, so your productions get made, and then basically you have no oversight. So you're basically making this thing that what it's what you want to see. And so since other people aren't telling you, okay, tone it down, like we can't have like steam-powered roller skates, you know what I mean, or whatever, it, it just ends up being totally going off the rails, right? Mm-hmm. But it's I, I don't think you have that as much in America. Lucas, you see it with because he owns his own production company and everything, right? Yeah, I mean, most people, they yeah. have someone there above them to say no and stop them, but not Uncle yeah. George. Well, in America, the producer has all the power, pretty much, yeah. unless you are the producer-director. And in Japan, the director has all the power, I think, is, is kind of what's going on here just behind the scenes. Well, I'm concerned that James Cameron is going that way with Avatar. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty embarrassing. And now no one will ever say no to him ever again. So just yeah. make Alita. And it was not a good movie. Nope. You give us a movie where the premise is space marines in powered armor versus furries, and we're supposed to root for the furries? No, wasn't. James Cameron's Avatar was the worst blue well, movie. I, I liked ever... it, but speaking of live action movies, wasn't this year the year of like anime live action uh, remakes? Like we had Kashern. Gerald's favorite. I mean, uh, that's oh, my God, favorite. That's and Clarissa's awesome. favorite. Honey. It's, it's all our favorite. Let's, no, <laughs> it's not our favorite at all. It's true. It's so entirely true. Have you seen Goemon? Have you seen that guy's sequel to it? Uh, no, no, I did not dare watch the sequel. Goemon, I really want to see. That's a ninja flick, and I love ninja oh, yeah, movies. Well, you can imagine it's... from the name Goemon that it's, uh, it's yes. not about like Legend of the Mystical Ninja adaptation of the video game, is it? Or... No, I don't believe it. Yes, a bunch of pixels <laughs> running around on the screen. Cutie Honey. Cutie Honey came out this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Didn't? Oh, wow. By a director. What was his name oh, again? I never He's heard of him. I think he did something way back in the day. Gunbuster. That's what it was. Yeah, Nadia. <laughs> didn't he do something on Nadia? Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah. I, I did a couple episodes of that. But yeah, I mean, Hideaki Anno did a re-Cutie Honey, which was, um, you know, the nostalgia grab of nostalgia grabs. It's still pretty accessible, but Gainax at that point had pretty much sunk into their pattern of like, Gotta remake Ava, you gotta remake Fruity Curly at, at all costs. And so this was the year that, yes, uh, Die Buster came out, uh, aka Gunbuster 2. Uh, I was worried about that when I saw the promotional artwork for it, and I was, I had a right to be worried. Uh. I think they made a big tactical mistake releasing that in America under the name Gunbuster 2, because no one in America has seen the original Gunbuster. The original title of it is Die Buster, which suggests its own thing. They could have said from the makers of Fruity Curly. Yeah. Die Buster! And people would have bought that. You're talking about, that's when the TV version came out, right? When did the theatrical release That's come? years later. They they sort of blended the original Gunbuster and Die Buster together and made some compilation yes. movies. Yeah, a couple years from now. But okay. Die Buster is one of those interesting things. When it first came out, 
everybody hated it because the only people watching it were those old-time Gunbuster fans who were like, this sure as fuck ain't Gunbuster. Yeah, it certainly wasn't made for people like me. What it was was that Gunbuster at the time was made to sort of, not maybe intentionally, but it, what it ended up doing was it just sort of encapsulated the spirit of the times, the zeitgeist of what anime was at that time. And I think Diebuster did the same thing. What's in it encapsulates what's going on in anime at this time in 2004. And so you've got the bright colors and the maids, of course, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, which makes me say they encapsulated what's in it, but what's in it for me? Right. And the answer is not much, unfortunately. Yeah. I actually Over the whatever. years, a lot of people have uh, you know, really turned around and softened up to Diebuster. It's got a lot more fans now than uh, I than think it that's did. because other people are watching it that I don't know. The original fans, from what I can tell, still hate it. I saw a lot no, of... No, 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 actually, that's not, that's not entirely true, actually. Yeah, I saw I have... a lot of comments online with original fans who said, I hated it when I watched, like, the first episode, but by the end of it, or when I went back and rewatched it, I liked where things ended up a lot better. They actually did another try at basically this Gunbuster 2 formula in a couple of years. It was a show called Tengen Topa Garenlagon. We'll get to that in a bit. But other robot stuff. This was a year where <laughs> they were bit. still... You know, when I say in a yeah, bit... Yeah, robots coming... Yeah, yeah, this is the Get a Robo year. Didn't it Get a Robo New come out this year? Robo. New Get a Robo. Excellent show. Fantastic show. I mean, this is a remake of the original Now, which Get one Ro is that, though? Is that the one with the Onmyoji? Yes, uh, that's the one with the Onmyoji. I don't really like that Yeah, that's because you're a girl, and this was like the ultimate like remake of like the true <laughs> Gonagai. Girls love Onmyoji in Japan. What are you talking yeah, about? Go no, it, was, it was a bad Onmyoji. Like, it was the worst Abinoseime ever. How can he be the worst Abinoseime when he's the one who's like, integrated in with the robot and his two bitches are also integrated into the robot <laughs> the two well, random women you... stuck in the wall <laughs> what the fuck? I'll, I'll have you know that when we watched it at our meeting the other girls here liked it except for the explicit ball sack well, yeah shot. i mean that's like the nature of like yeah. the gona guy like unfiltered effect i mean before he'd always yeah, he's a to, little naughty to he? clean it up a bit and get a robo was very faithful this was a you know colossal disaster in america i mean they charged Enormous fees per episode, and they $80, paid $80,000. Yeah, the rumor was like $75,000, $80,000 per episode. And who in episode. America knows or cares about going to Yeah, Gai. nobody, I mean, or, or get a robo even. And this was one where they went and they packaged it. You got like a commemorative bandana. I got my <laughs> bandana. All right. But yeah, I mean, it did not have uh, the audience for it. And on that note, I'll go straight into the next one. They did the remake of Tetsujin 28. Which is beautiful looking. Beautiful looking show. Yasuhiro Imagawa, he never let him work again after Giant Robo. And they fired him for... I finally bought the DVDs for that on sale, but haven't actually watched it. They fired him for Shingeta Robo. Then, the, you know, Tetsujin 28, out of nowhere. I bought this as it came out, each individual disc, $25. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm a little biased on it, but I, I am going to say it's a well-done show. It's a very Japanese show. It doesn't really hide the fact that it's in Japan. It's very melodramatic. Not a whole lot of boom, robot punch smash sort of thing. Yeah. Well, they can't hide the now, fact it's in Japan. He's a Japanese wonder weapon from World War II, yeah, Well, isn't he? you know, Gigantor certainly wasn't back when they released it as that. <laughs> no, well, not in the English version, right. no. And, no. <laughs> and the only chance it could have had was if they had released it as a Gigantor thing, but they couldn't do that. They didn't have the rights. So they just right. uh, released it under the name Tetsujin 28. Nobody had ever heard of that name in America. Yeah. Another flop. I was just amazed how they managed to make the pot-bellied Tetsujin 28 actually like look and move in a really cool way because I it, I, I was I was never a huge fan of the old Gigantor stuff. I know it's that's I'm probably it's heresy, but I prefer the the skinny 1980s Tetsujin 28. Do you know about the that? The new one? Gigantor yes. that sort of had like the different face with yes. sort of like the football ish. Oh, yeah. Yes, he's skinny. Really he's, cool, he's like, uh, that was the first like one a, I ever saw because Sci-Fi Channel dubbed that into English in the early yeah, really? 90s. That's a terrible anime. It's a terrible, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really bad. They basically, they reunited a lot of the voice cast for it, kept the same old 60s theme song, you know, Jimmy mm -hmm. Sparks and all that. It came on after Robotech. Well, the story of that is that the Bandai, the, the head of Popey, the guy who designed all the Chogokin back in the 70s, had to like go over to the Tetsujin 28 guy's house. Uh, Yokoyama Mitsuteru, and basically beg him to let him redesign Tetsujin 28 into this new form, and he had to go a bunch of times, get drunk with him a bunch of times, and finally he got the okay. But that's where that came from. It's a totally Popey mm. Bandai redesign. I don't even mm. think Yokoyama Mitsuteru was involved in it at all. And then he died a couple years before this new one came out, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, smoking. Don't smoke don't in smoke bed, smoke in bed, or you might fall asleep <laughs> and set your house on fire and uh, die of asphyxiation. 
I know mm. that this was a good year because I've got two or three things vying for best show of the year. Yeah, well... Like Bleach I, TV, right? Absolutely. <laughs> We're not going to forget this time. I actually yes. want to say, like, sort of on the subject of, of robots, more specifically Gundam, was I believe this was the year that Kenero Gunso started. Yes. Sergeant Frog. Kenero, yes, Sergeant Which is Frog. a massive, massive otaku series with good reason, I think. There is a giant billboard. There has been a giant billboard with Sergeant Frog's face on it in Kijijoji, right where I live, for the last six years. <laughs> Ever when you walk out of the station, the first thing you see is Sergeant Frog's face screaming, yeah. and he's about to take over Kijijoji. And it's yeah, all I mean, it's thing. still going Here. strong, right? Yeah, they're no, making I'm, the Bondi's making the kits and everything. It's crazy. Now I'd heard that this was like an otaku-only show, but then I'd heard from other sources that this was meant to be like super mainstream and a way for people to kind of I don't think it quite worked out that way yeah buy Gundam products yeah I don't know that it actually took off in the mainstream at all to me it's just it's like that's like otaku heroin man that's like yeah right when they made the Densha Otsuko live action what was the into Sergeant Frog the manga runs in Gundam Ace I think it is yeah which is is super hardcore otaku stuff yeah oh man yeah you want to talk super hardcore somebody stuff but I don't remember what time slot the anime runs in I don't know if it's a like morning show like where kids would watch it or not so long since I tuned into like a television set to watch yeah. a show. I, I just rent them here. I, I don't even. I don't <laughs> even know. But yeah, I mean, you want to talk about super hardcore uh, and inaccessibility? This was the year, I believe, of Ghost in the Shell Innocence. Oh man, oh, yes. They put a gun to Mamoroshi's head, <laughs> and they said, "We want another Ghost in the Shell movie." And Mamoroshi said, "Is that your final answer?" <laughs> and uh, he gave him a movie. All right. Oh boy. One of these movies, you know, it's, not, it's not a bad movie, it's just impossible to really enjoy it. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard movie to watch through. It's, a, it's, it's guys quoting philosophers at each other, and then maybe they fight a spider Mac, and then they go back to fighting the But you know what, the, you know maybe what he hit? Maybe there's some killer robot He hit something that I think he is going to be remembered for generations from now. All and, love and is better like, than real love. No, no, no. When, when people are all having sex with dolls instead of real people, no. When those guys, are, when the two main characters, when Bateau and uh, what's his name, are sitting in the car quoting like obscure lines of philosophy to each other, the backstory in that is they're basically Googling everything in their head as they're having a conversation. Oh. Like, <laughs> and like, honestly, when you sit down with people now and have a conversation, who whips out their iPod and like mm-hmm. starts looking up stuff within 10 seconds? Everybody. Everybody yeah. starts looking up shit within 10 seconds. And so you can imagine if that's like integrated into your brain, our conversations are probably all going to be just like the ones in a Mamoru Oshii film. So get ready for it. Yeah. Get ready I for was people. born ready. <laughs> so, I suppose that's um, a pretty good segue into Paranoia Agent. Which yeah, well, that was going to be like, that's vying for my favorite show of, the, of this year. Yeah, and, fantastic show. Satoshi Kon's uh, first TV series, right? Yep, there's only one yep. so far. Yeah. Excellent. Almost every episode was awesome. And the only one I didn't like was just because it was like the, one of the movies that I didn't it like. Was like it was like Millennium Actress, which we already established in the previous episode. You don't like Millennium Actress. But it was an excellent, excellent show. Yeah, I really liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah. An excellent, excellent show like High High Puffy Amiyumi, which yeah, also be good. good. <laughs> I think the thing about Paranoia Agent is that the whole message of it is, hey, you otaku or hey, you people, you got to live in the real world. But he knows, again, once again, what side his bread's buttered on. So he can't hate the otaku too much. So, you know, even the fat guy yeah. who hires the prostitute and has sex with her as he pretends he's one of her figurines still ends <laughs> up helping to save the day, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, because he's a secret otaku as well. It's pretty clear, especially in those interviews. And uh... Dude, 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 dude. Is anybody who works at an anime company in any way, shape or form a secret otaku? <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be a lunatic to be like... You mean I get paid a cent a week? That's like checking out of society. That's like, no, I'm bad. <laughs> I'm not coming back. I'm never having kids. You know, like, I'm, I'm going to be eating shitty food the rest of my life and never sleep. I'm never going to sleep again. <laughs> I think your only solace is to, like, work on a show where you at least get to draw good-looking food. This was the year Yakutate <laughs> Japan came yes. out. Yes. Yep. The anime adaptation of that. Yes. And hey, Gankutsuo, didn't that come yes. out this year? I love Gankutsuo. One of my top shows of the decade. Two Wait, shows. You don't, you don't get Pokemon seizures from, from watching the clothing and like the, the backgrounds <laughs> flipping around? Well, Gerald intensely hates Gankutsuo, but yeah. I'm going to put that up as one of my top picks of the decade, Fantastic 2004. Yeah. Really, really good. Really unique. The best show Gonzo's ever made. I'm, so, I'm going to put that up right now. Oh, definitely. Unequivocally. No uh, reservations. I like it straight up. 
but it is a very weird looking show. I'm not gonna yeah. skirt around that. Another no. interesting show that came out in 2004, I believe, Samurai Champloo. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know that show has always amazed me because they came up with a way to translate champuru, which is the the word, and it's like an Okinawan dish that you chop up like spam and tofu and and like gourds together into this dish. There's no translation for it. And right, so, but like, it just it represents what the show itself is. Yes, yeah. you've got like but the hip hop. Does mean anything in English? No, no, it never meant anything. It's just a, a word. Another show that had a really, really bad first episode. People don't even remember that first episode. Well, I remember the first episode. I don't remember it being really, really bad. I do that remember it awful. being very stylistically different because of all the record scratch, quick the, transition it's, cuts. It's, it's and almost going like back they did that and then realized, wait, this is a bad idea. We can't do the entire show like this, and so they didn't. And it was a really good show. Basically, that was the show that like all the people who like Cowboy Bebop here have another one. Boom. Yep. Samurai Shampoo. And you would have thought, like, boom, right after that, they would have gone straight into another one. But no, it was nope, years, years until yeah. um, Mitchko and Hotchin. And-, and then that has not been licensed. Yeah. Which you'd I think still that, don't understand. You'd think the that they would never that really been good in follow-ups, though, have they? Like, Gundam Wing, like, hey, maybe we should have come out with something after that. Whoops. Yeah, they had Endless Waltz, but, you know, it was a little bit uh, late on that. They need to put that guy in a room and just lock him up every year and say, do a show every year. <laughs> don't care what. Because it's not that I like everything that he does, but everything that he does gets a lot of notice. Yeah. And is is very unique, and so it's amazing that they just don't force him to do something every year. Yeah. But, oh, another show this year, very strong show, I thought, Monster. Monster, yep. Oh, a fantastic show. Yeah. I just wrote a feature on it in Otaku USA saying this is, like, the last chance that we've got to, like, appeal to non-anime fans. Here's, like, this show that yeah. you don't need to be a hardcore otaku to watch. If you like TV dramas, Monster. Yeah, yep. it was kind of interesting. I, I know, like, in, in Western media fandom, like, the people that are into, like, SFTV shows and stuff like that, there's been kind of a steady growing crossover of traditional Western media fandom and anime and manga fandom. So, like, all of these people from my other fandoms that had nothing to do with anime, like, are gradually discovering anime and manga. I mean, there were people that I remember in there who still, even despite that, were like, oh, I can't stand anime. I, I just can't get into it at all. And they loved Monster just because, I mean, it was such a straight up thriller. It doesn't have the Shonen Jump artwork. It's not yeah. set in Japan. You don't need mm-hmm. the Japanese cultural knowledge to watch it. You can just jump right in. It's not in. a lot of otaku in jokes. Yeah, or nothing. If it were dubbed, points. if it were dubbed, besides maybe the look of the show, you'd never think that was anime. Just, just really... like Speed Racer. Everything you guys have just said applies to Speed Racer, too. Think about that. Isn't that deep? Yeah, yeah, I think it's deep. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Now, 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 this was the first Urasawa adaptation in the decade, right? Not the first one, because because the last there one was before, Yawara this was before and there was Master like, Keaton before. Yeah, Master Keaton yeah. didn't go anywhere, though, did it? Yeah. Urasawa is basically the man these days, right? He's the yeah, t- Now yeah. he's the man, as far I mean, as manga. I, I really it seems like this anime... was the beginning of him. Well, no, because, I mean, Yawara was so, Yawara, Yawara, Yawara was, was big in Japan, bigger than Ranma, even. But just here, I'm talking about Urasawa oh, didn't right, really right. get the respect until, until Monster. like uh, Monster 20th Century Boys, Pluto especially. It kills me they they made live action versions of 20th Century Boys because that really cried out to be animated. Like there's yeah. just it really did. I don't know if you I guys. I was have really read that. shocked that they went for live action as opposed to anime because they've animated biggest the budget ever. I heard biggest budget ever. Yeah, for a Japanese movie. I'm wondering if they're going to animate Pluto. I would like to see it happen. I don't know if it will, but I would yeah. like to see it happen. If it's got a robot in it, I'm all for animating it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of which, here's something else you guys I bet have never heard of. I just I know I'm going to forget this because it's just so minor, and I bet you've never heard of it. Panda Z. Oh yeah. Oh, oh got the yeah. TV on my show. This is the year that. of Panda, and there are so many kids who think that like Mazinger Z is based off of this instead of the other way around. It's really? crazy. <laughs> Believe it or not, they tried to release Panda Z in America. Guess how it did? I bet that it sold millions of copies. <laughs> it sold millions <laughs> of copies. You're absolutely right because of all the Mazinger Z in jokes and following <laughs> that show was built around. They just tried to be like, oh, let's put it out there. Yeah, it didn't really uh, catch on because, hey, we don't really have that Mazinger Z following in America. I mean, maybe they thought they could sell it on the cute factor. I don't know, but. Yeah, but the concept of a, the concept of like a dude piloting a robot, although, you know, I'm saying this, I was going to say the concept of a dude piloting a robot from his head is kind of alien to Americans, but then Ratatouille used it. <laughs> also, meet Dave. Isn't that, Hiroko and I, my wife and I have all, isn't that like a Mazinger Z reference? It has to be. Those guys are into anime. Yeah, so yeah. knows what they're doing. Another one that I want to bring up, although, well, I mean, I guess maybe I won't be the only person who liked it, but Maria Samagamiteru. Not my thing, but it's got a huge following. 
Yeah. Catholic schoolgirls hanging out and uh, having drama and <laughs> drinking tea. Dressing up as pandas and uh, <laughs> oh my god, well, suplexing each other. Yeah. At least yeah. it's special. Needs more slap so, fights. Needs more uh, pill addicts. Needs yeah. more brother to brother. I'll take Onisama A over it, but Mariusama is still good. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I, I it's think a good one show. of the strongest shows of the decade. I mean, another yeah. one, 2004. Really strong show series, yeah. Yeah, I, I, not not uh, Maria Sama, well, not my pick for strongest show of the decade. But I mean, one of the strongest was uh, Osamu Tezuka's Phoenix. Oh yes. they did uh, very this very great, strong, very hard show to watch. Very uh, <laughs> difficult because Phoenix is a very uh, weighty, cathartic thing to watch yeah. through. But it was co-produced in America. Was it co-produced that? PBS, New York PBS affiliate. Yeah. Interesting, because that one's actually is showing in like kind of prime time on, or was prime time on NHK. Yeah, because the NHK is basically the uh, Japanese equivalent of PBS, the public TV. Yes. Yeah, it was a co-production between the two, and so we were kind of thinking, hey, is this going to get released on TV? They dubbed it. They had the dub finished for a long time. And then it just kind of got a DVD release, and now you can buy the whole thing for $20. It's a yeah. fantastic show. I just showed it to some friends, and at first they were like, eh, we're not sure we like this. By the end, they were like, yeah, this is a good show, definitely. Yeah. Hey, was Another PBS was PBS also involved in co-producing the 2004 OAV, what is this, Slutty Princess Diaries? Yes, that was them. <laughs> It aired actually uh, right after Inside the Actors Studio uh, on Bravo, which, you know, they decided to you know, do a co-production. So. Yeah. <laughs> if you love that, you'll love this. But yeah, also, I mean, on the subject of other Tesco revival things, uh, Clarissa Blackjack, didn't that start up this year? Yeah. The TV for the that? The TV series, yeah. Which yep. the diabolical Aaron Finnegan <laughs> said wasn't a good thing, so she's going to get the it's, spy knife in her back. It's really rough. I mean, I can't say that her points about it are wrong. I guess it's just if you're bothered by those things, then yeah, you're probably not going to enjoy it. But, but if yeah. you're bothered by those things, aren't those things in the manga? Yes, they are. I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty well, no, accurate not, adaptation. Not okay, it is, but the thing with the Blackjack TV series is that it feels like they wanted to take Blackjack and make it more family-friendly because it was in like an afternoon time slot or like an early evening time slot. I think it took over the time slot from like Prince of Tennis or Inuyasha or something. Huge. Inuyasha is what it sounds like, it, yeah. I want to say. And so it was like they tried to make it more family-friendly, so they did things like some of the stories would have happier endings. There's a lot more Pinocchio. They have side characters that are only in one story in the manga, but they keep them around for the entire show so that Blackjack and Pinocchio can have friends and hang out with people. Like, there's one story in the manga where there's a dog, and at the end of the manga storyline, spoilers, the dog dies. In the TV series, they decide to keep the dog alive, so now Blackjack and Pinocchio have, like, an ugly, stupid dog, so there can be, oh, like, that probably tested well hunting. with focus groups. Yeah, there's nothing Japan likes yeah. more than a dying dog. I mean, I saw a dog <laughs> of Flanders. Oh, yeah, so, we should... That's the happiest anime ever, next to Barefoot Gen. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so and the most hilarious. Kind of a, so, it's just kind of um, like a weird thing. Of the Fireflies? It's much more faithful than the Dazaki OAVs and movie. I guess we should probably move through the last couple of these. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I got, yeah, I got a couple more on my list. It's to run, but... Okay, let me just mention uh, one more. Uh, this is a movie, so maybe you might have heard of it, Matt. Mind Game, Masaki Yuasa's movie, Studio 4C. Really weird, really trippy, really Crazy experimental. Crazy-ass movie, but somebody has to have the balls to be doing this kind of stuff still. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad it's getting made. I, I like the movie a lot. I am and I so guess. happy they made that film. And to me, that like represents like a lot of what has been lost in anime, that just kind of sheer insanity. But I have yeah. no idea of how they're planning to make money off or how they plan to make money off it. I think it had a theatrical release here. And I saw it. I just like the notion of that sort of angel's egg mentality of, you know, <laughs> we're just going to make this thing because we want to make it. That's the flip side of the whole director is God thing. Like, because if you do get a director who knows what he's doing, then you get some crazy, amazing stuff. Yeah. I think I like this was that. Masaki Yuasa's debut. Was it? I don't know. I can't think of like anything else he directed prior. He worked on Neko Jiroso, which we mentioned mm. last time, but he didn't direct that. Oh, okay. This might be the first thing he directed. I mean... I'm no Ben Ettinger, and I don't have, like, a Wikipedia open or anything, but this right. is kind of the first place where I noticed the name, Masaki Yuasa. Yeah, because TV shows were after that. Speaking so. of crazy, trippy things, I have to mention my least favorite thing of this year, Tamala 2010. Oh, man, that's a horrible, yeah, I don't know yeah. what happened Horrible that. movie. We, we saw that, Clarissa and I and one of our friends saw that in, like, one of the digital theaters here. 
Mm-hmm. And this was meant to be the more mainstream thing that they can show in this theater. Yeah, and like the it, punk cat in space. Oh, yes, this cute kitty cat running around, like dropping fuck in the middle of like yeah. the Japanese. And doing and terrible like, things. And, and then like, they yeah. had like this shot of like this guy who got like shot in the head. And then they would just take this like five minutes to zoom into the bullet hole. Mm. And it was meant to be like, oh, this is It was is like trying to whatever. do that. If you like Junko Mizuno, you'll love this movie kind of thing. But Junko Mizuno is cool. And, and that movie just kind of wasn't. Yeah. I, I right. don't know. Like it just didn't work. Like and visually, I guess it was okay. It was just like it just right. didn't hold together as a story. I, I just, it worked for like five minutes. And then it's just yeah. the same shit over and over and over yeah. again. Well, this is note to Japanese people and anybody actually really. Dropping English swear words into the middle of Japanese does not work at Unless all. Unless it's Detroit Metal City. <laughs> well, unless, I was going to say, unless it's the South Park Japanese dub. Have you heard that? That is actually, it, do, it doesn't work either. They, they had to, you know, Cartman's bitch song, you know, Svam is a bitch song. They had to translate that as bitchy in Japanese. Like, <laughs> they, they just literally transliterated it and it does right. not, it's not funny you, anymore. You, I mean, there's not much cursing in Japanese. Like, there's not a lot of, like, straight up profanity. It's more like no. you just say things really rudely, which is. Yeah, well, the deal, the, the deal is, yeah, it's all about politeness levels and actually yeah. using the word you with the wrong politeness level yes. is equivalent to saying mother, calling somebody a motherfucker. I, that is what dr- is crazy to me about Japanese swearing. Is, yeah, is it's how just, much of it is just saying you in the right yeah. way. It's politeness levels. And actually, that's why I always laugh when like kind of amateur translators are like, there's no swear words in this, in this, you know, so you can't put swear words in the translation. And it's you, actually not as they charge forward with a sword exactly. <laughs> or pencils, sharpened pencils. It's just not true because believe me, if you call somebody like, oh my, like the wrong person, oh my, if I called my father-in-law, oh my, or something like that, that would be like fighting words equivalent to like, hey, motherfucker, <laughs> you know, like it's literally it's the same right. kind of thing. So and, anyway, um, like- there was another one I wanted to mention. It's kind of an interesting thing, and I don't really know uh, why they decided to make this in 2004. Ring Me Cock Arrow, new anime based off of this old boxing manga from the guy who did Saint Seiya. The superior work, in my opinion. Really weird fucking crazy yes. boxing manga where people punch each other and there's like nuclear explosions and there's like boxing Nazis and... Sounds like awesome. a Miike movie. Yeah. Yes. This very 70s manga aesthetic yeah. transposed to modern day animation and they changed virtually nothing. Oh yeah, did not update the character designs at all. And we're getting another season. Never got fully fan subbed. Yeah, any. there's no interest yeah. in America, but you know, we're about to get another season of it in Japan that'll also never be fan subbed by anyone because there's just no of, interest in it. Yeah, and then of course Genshiken, which we didn't get to. Yeah, I wasn't about. sure about mentioning that. There's one that I kind of want to ask you about, Matt, because maybe, maybe you can explain this to me. So, I've noticed, like, sometimes I, I tend to look through, even if I, I can't go, I usually try to look through the catalogs for Comicette to uh-huh. see kind of what people are doing. And I noticed that there's this show that recently has exploded among the Fujoshi crowd. Okay. And I do not get it. And I guess it started in 2004. But it's the series called Nintamarantaro. And apparently what I can tell is it's like a weird comedy series about a ninja who's really bad at everything. Oh, I thought that was Naruto. <laughs> I will <laughs> tell was- you that any efforts to get in the mind of Fujoshi are kind of doomed <laughs> to failure from the start. Because that is yeah. like... That is a pretty out there crowd, and the stuff they're into right. is like more clickish and in groupy and and like full of inner little jokes than you could ever. They all ever... just look at Victoria Bitter and be like, "Yeah, so what?" I have well, I a Y chromosome, because... so I can't go in there. Well, I just yeah. thought yeah. it was interesting because usually, like the series that are that popular that have that many people doing stuff are usually series that are really popular. It's stuff like, like One Piece, Death Note, and Prince of Tennis. So I figured that this, I mean, is probably a pretty big show. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, but you know, God, it's like you, you now you got me curious. I'll have to look this up because you said <laughs> you said the magic word of ninja. So now I have to go yeah. try to find whatever this is. I got is. three more things on my list. Okay. Want to just name them off quickly? Yeah, spit it out. Spit it out. Zapang, Gerald reviewed that one mm-hmm. uh, a little while back. The second season of Jubei-chan, mm-hmm. a really underrated show by Madhouse. Also, The Place Promised in Our Early Days. Oh, yeah. Very overrated. It's not bad. It's just, uh, you know, maybe not a, a super duper ultimate masterpiece. I mean, but hey, it's very consistent. 
I mean, you go from uh, Hoshino Koe, Voices of Distant Star, to Place Promised Early, it's like, yeah, I can see it. Would have been better as 30 minutes, and I've just got some last things to mention. The second animation runner, Kuromi. Most disappointing <laughs> show of the year, Yugo the Negotiator. Also, U.S. collaborations, Dead Leaves and Lady Death. Dead oh, Leaves God. is uh, a, a weird one. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a strange thing. Um, I don't know if you, have you heard of this one, Matt? No, I have not. Tell me about this. It's just Terrible. really <laughs> oddly styled production IG movie that got made, and it's just it's like an hour long, and it's oh my god, I've never even seen that. You know, it's I live here and I've never seen anything about this. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's this very like for the people who liked Fully Curity, this was kind of like a next thing for them to go to. A super violent. Imaishi Imaishi Hiroyuki directed it. It looks like. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, he did Tang and Toba Garenlagon. Yeah. yeah, and he did the manga scenes in Kare Kanojo and whatever that other yeah. live action uh, movie by whatever that guy's name is. That, yeah. that yeah. famous director whose name the I keep forgetting. Director, you know, um, Ano, um, I can't remember. Remember, didn't you know. do too Dead well leaves. over here. Didn't didn't really light the world on fire, and so yeah. just kind of yeah. It's definitely a strange thing, but it's like it's actually it's a it's an interesting thing. This is it's over unique. the top. I'm looking. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Kind of like Innocence. I'm downloading this from the net into my brain right now. <laughs> kind this of like is, Innocence. Yeah. I should Our be spinning off some quotes lost. for you pretty soon from philosophers. Hold on. Um, I also just wanted to mention School Rumble, which is another pretty good comedy series. Although I understand the manga is getting kind of strange and and maybe off kilter but there was another one that i i wanted to to mention just because it's it's also kind of a, an odd little show magical girl squad alice which has the terrible title here in america of tweeny witches which makes it sound like the shittiest show sounds like it's pedophilia ever. central but no, it's <laughs> actually say, 4C. It, sounds like, it sounds like porn for moe fans <laughs> it's a 4c show right yeah. really good show but no one watched it no one wanted to Real, see it yeah so. really weird kind of quirky magical girl show from 4c i guess that was how they like subsidized mind game maybe maybe probably, yeah. but i don't, I don't know exactly if it's that popular i rarely ever hear people talk about it they got to give it a shot you know maybe they're just embarrassed <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, once again, you didn't have a, a summary for 2004 due to time constraints. Yeah. Well, if I can summarize this, I think that, and this isn't anime specific 100%, but this was the year we saw tons of live action anime remakes in Japanese theaters, and almost all of them tanked, like Hattori-kun, the movie, and like Devilman. They were all terrible for the most oh, part. Oh, God, the live action Devilman. <laughs> oh, and, man. So Best think, known for having Bob Sapp as the news correspondent <laughs> yes, who gets killed. So I think this was the year where Japanese investors started realizing, oh, I guess it wasn't the boom that we thought it was. And like the cracks it would take a little bit longer to appear, like a little bit a few little years after this. But I yeah. think this is really when this was the year when anime was either going to take it to the next level or not. And this, for, yeah, this was the yeah, apex. this was the peak, the make or break, the pinnacle. Arguably, I mean, to me, look at how long we spent talking about just this year. That's sort yeah. of yes. for me why I would always say it was 2004 as like kind of the year for it. Mm -hmm. Or it could just be we just talk too damn much. <laughs> Inconceivable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, great. Two years in like an hour and a half or so. so. <laughs> Not bad, guys. I guess I'll see you in a decade for the next decade or yes. whatever. Next two years. Well, you know, maybe if you can, uh, I don't know if you're how many more of these you're able to do, but you know, we'll have you on as long as you're willing to put up with it. Well, that, I hey, think... man, you, just, you Skype me anytime, guys. <laughs> We'll cut a break from here and yeah. say, you know, we got through okay. two years. It'll go more quickly, so. It'll go slightly more quickly, but, you know, the production is only going to keep ramping up as far as shows being made. It's not going to be tapering off anytime soon, so we'll see you uh, next time. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Let's keep it going. Now Now that we've now that we've started this, we have to finish it. Yeah, it's like the quest. We're at almost the halfway point. It's like <laughs> Michael Douglas and falling down. You've gone <laughs> exactly. further. You can't just exactly. turn around anymore. Yeah, let's totally. see if we can finish this before 2010 is over. That'd be nice, actually, wouldn't it? Let's try that. <laughs> yeah. Great talking to you guys again. Yeah, All thanks. Right, we'll see you around, thanks. Matt. Cool, catch you later. Next week, if you're listening to this at the time it comes out, we're all going to be at Megacon, comic book convention here in Florida. Not really that noted for having panels, but we are doing a panel there at the bright and early time of like 10 a.m. on Largely Saturday. Largely because we want to get in for free, right? <laughs> they asked us. I didn't ask them. Yeah. If it was we want to get in for free, then it would have been, hey, can I do a panel, please, pretty please? No, they came to us and said, hey, do you want to do panels? I said, sure, we'll do one. What time you got? 10 a.m. Saturday. I was like, okay, fine. The panel is going to be about manga for, you know, comic book fans because basically a comic book convention. I don't know who's going to show up to this or what, but we're going to cut this off here and then uh, put something together. <laughs>